You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Land and Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are coming to you on the second hunting podcast right here on Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. And we are right in the heart of Missouri turkey season. It is first week of turkey season here in Missouri. And this is a three-week holiday for us. We are turkey fanatics. And um, this week we're talking about success we've had. It, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, so season opened up on a Monday. We were fortunate enough to kill a bird on Monday and Tuesday. Um, this morning was awful. You didn't end up I didn't going out. I didn't even go, no. Late night. I went with just a, a friend, and it was 20 to 30 mile an hour winds all day long. Yeah. And it was like, why are we doing this? Well, but, when I got up this morning, I came in, I sat down on the computer, and I was going through emails and trying to catch up on some work. I was like, what is that sound? Like, mm-hmm. It sounded kind of like a freight train, like just like, oh, and I'm like, what in the world? And then I realized it was the wind. And, I'm, and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be super, super windy today. So, And it was. They, yeah. they actually got that forecast right. And we were we got up and it started getting light. And it's like, we, we're, we're, I'm not even going to make a turkey sound. I'm going to let, if they want to gobble, they're going to gobble. We're sitting tight. Had a pretty good idea where birds were roosted. And up, they weren't there. And um, we heard one gobble. That's it. Could hunt till nine. Had to get to the real estate office. But um, with that being said, the success, though, the opening two days was we were on birds. We were on turkeys. And we're going to talk about those hunts, the strategy that we use to be successful. Um, and the, the first hunting devoted podcast we did, we talked about early season hunting techniques and tactics. I don't want to toot our own horn. But we kind of got it, you know? We did pretty good. Yeah. We did pretty good. It was good. like, this is our strategies, and then <clears throat> now we're here telling you our strategy. Well, we told you things to do in early season, and we used some of those tips 
Yes. And we were able to tag two Toms um, this the first two days of season. And very unconventional as far as, and I say unconventional for early, for the opener of Missouri turkey season. Because usually we are way ahead as far as the spring green up and where the birds are um, as far as the breeding season is just very uh, it's very different this year very delayed it's behind schedule if you will yeah um, because of that I mean we we talked about it earlier we've had the last three weekends we've had snows to some degree mm-hmm. um, it has snowed each Sunday and it's just been super weird delayed the green up delayed the birds breaking up out of their their bigger flocks so we're dealing with Hint up gobblers, really large flocks, and birds that just don't want to gobble because no, they don't have to. They don't have to, and we'll explain that in a second. You know, when I was growing up and really like in high school and college, it was always I want the spring dog like I want the dogwoods to be oh, blooming yeah. during Missouri turkey season because that's the most beautiful time, and I want mm-hmm. the morels to be popping and and I want all that to be going on during turkey season. Yep. But this year we're not dogwoods have not started popping yet. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here going, it may be the third week before we even start <laughs> seeing them. Yeah. And yeah. usually by the third week regardless is always they're almost done blooming. So this mm-hmm. year we are so far behind. Of course season did open up a little bit earlier this year, yeah, uh, April 16th. Usually it's the 20th or somewhere in there. Um but but regardless it's still, we're still it's still cold. Tomorrow morning so I was talking to Seth Harker mm-hmm. uh, on the phone before we recorded this, and he was talking about when to go in the morning. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, tomorrow morning they're calling for wind chills in the 20s. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that that's crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, usually Missouri turkey season, we've always said, you know, you can wear a green shirt and blend in because everything's green. Yeah. Um, and you know that it's going to get hot. And it's not doing that right now. It's very early in the in the spring, um, basically in the spring green up, and it's and it's cold. Yeah. And and I mean, when I have to go for Missouri turkey season, I have to go to my stash of deer hunting clothes to get more layers. There's something wrong. I'm not a person who typically gets that cold. Like I I, I tend to dress, I, I guess, moderate, um, but I don't get that cold and i'm not kidding when i'm saying this i had two pairs of long underwear on plus a pair of camouflage pants on monday morning because it was 28 and 15 to 20 25 mile an hour winds like we saw snow that morning opening day of turkey season and it was whipping well, Strong I, west wind. Well, I, on the other hand, have always been a person to be cold. Yeah. And so much so that when I was a, when I was in high school and college that we rated the, the coldness on how many pairs of pants I had on. <laughs> I believe so, it. I really so do. so my buddy... This is, this is a three-dayer. McClary would always say, boy... It's it's pretty chilly this morning. Are we up to a three pair yet? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, just two. And and I mean, I've always been a kind of cold nature where I, I would try to bundle up. And and Monday morning, I bundled up and I still froze. So. Like they were, in my defense, I guess they were really thin ones. But I mean, they were hundred percent necessary. If I yeah. didn't, ha- if I had one pair on, it would have been bad news. I've been sitting there shivering. But I mean, it's just been unseasonably cool and and birds aren't doing what they typically would which means we have to adjust strategy um and use different techniques to be successful to remain successful and we i think we did a a great job of it kind of rolling with the punches if you will 
um, kind of reading the temperatures of some birds and having some respond, but not, and then just realizing our best option, our best opportunity um, is to do X. I think, and it worked. You know, I, I'm thinking about the would, would you rather you asked me last week. I think you mm-hmm. asked me about would I rather set or would I rather oh, Yeah, on, on the other podcast, yep. And so, and I, and I think back and, and we killed one of the birds this week on Monday by mm-hmm. setting. Yes. By borderline deer hunting. Now, when we say deer hunting turkeys, it's a set in one spot, probably don't call. Actually, it is not calling. You're just setting and watching. Um, and we weren't doing that. I mean, we were all taking turns calling every five to ten minutes, set up on a food plot, and I don't want to give away the rest, but um, that's kind of... That we we borderline had to deer hunt the turkeys on Monday, but but there I, was I, a strategy with that. There's a strong reason why we had to. Um, so opening opening morning, obviously super cold. Um, I it, think it was what it was 32 is what the temp was. Wind chill was less than that. Oh, wind yeah, wind chill made it feel I'm sure 20 right right around 20. It was cold. Um, so we were hunting with our good buddy Seth Harker um, on his um, farm, and we had another guy, Matt from Slayton Glass, who was with us. And he was filming it all, and we were just cutting up. We had actually shared camp the night before, um, fried turkey, fried fish, and cooked some um, tenderloin on the grill. Just kind of had that camp atmosphere, got ready, kind of made a game plan for the next day and where Seth had seen birds on trail camera, where he had heard birds and kind of had some, uh, encounters with birds during youth season the week prior with his son who did tag a bird, Trace killed a bird, um, that youth weekend, which it snowed on them that Sunday. But anyhow, um, so we kind of went over that, made a plan, got out there during, um, right before light. We heard birds, surprisingly. I, I was kind of shocked as we're walking to where we wanted to get um, set up because Seth was running a few minutes behind. We were hearing birds gobbling on the limb, and as nasty and cold as it was, they gobbled pretty decently. I thought it was kind of going to be the two and three, hey, hens, here I am. Let's pitch down and get out of this wind. I want to get off the limb. But they gobbled a considerable amount. They did gobble, um, yep. So we were able to get set up on birds, or it was one bird off the edge of a field. He had just burnt his native grass field. Um, but as soon as that bird pitched down, boom. Classic early season turkeys. Gobbled on the limb. Radio silence. And gobbled good on the limb. Oh, yeah. yeah. And heard multiple birds gobbling good on the limb. Yep. And then as soon as he flew down, done. Not another peep. And that is just classic to me. That is That is the... When I was growing up, when I was a kid, before I even started turkey hunting, my dad used to always take us out and we would listen for birds and yep. try to like almost mimic what we were going to be doing. And it was like training. Going through the motions. And so we would try and get in close. Basic and training. And it was just training us up. So whenever we did get, when it was actual season, we weren't messing up with his hunting basically and his success. <laughs> right. So, uh, and, and all the time, in, and we would always do that in March. And so you would always hear birds gobbling really good on limb, and then they just shut up. So the, the game yep. plan was always just get close, get to where they like to fly down and strut and sort out dominance. Yep. And that's kind of what, it, it, that's why the first morning was a little bit of a struggle because they weren't roosted where we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, I hope this is the area they want to come to. And they, Logically, they, it made sense where we could set up, 
But honestly, I think the conditions that we were facing and dealing with halted those birds from doing what they typically would have done. Again, this was a, a, a native grass field that he had just burnt. So prime habitat, great place to strut, wide open, but it was on top of a ridge. And again, we had those strong, strong winds, really super cold. And those birds, they never made their way out to that um, warm season grass area. And by the time we were sitting there, it was like, the birds shut up. He's with hens. We can't get down to him based on the terrain. Let's go strike try and strike up another bird. And from that scenario though, it's like, okay, super windy up top. There's food plots. There's additional fields down in the bottom. Um, and in this large creek bottom, um, there's bottom ground that had been basically greened up earlier than the rest of the timber. Um, so we had a good idea that birds were probably focused down there or had pitched down and spending more of the time down the bottom ground where there was less wind um, and more forage. So we headed down that way, caught our way through there, um, ended up striking a bird. And that was kind of a unique setup too, or scenario. We, we got on a bird, heard him gobble, he responded. is like, okay, that that's not bad. Moved in a little bit closer, hit him again. He gobbled back. I thought we were get like that courtesy gobble. Hey, I'm over here. Come join me if you want, but I'm not leaving. But he gobbled back multiple times and shoot, we set up on the edge of a food plot and called to him and we could hear him faintly gobbling because of the wind and because of some um, set out pines, but didn't know exactly if that bird was going to work. Yeah. To me, that was a classic. That bird was acting a lot like I would expect for the early season turkeys where he gobbles a few times, we move in closer and he gets quiet. Mm-hmm. And then... You kind of move around, and 30 minutes later, he gobbles again. You're like, oh, okay, he's moved a little bit. To me, what those, what that Tom is doing is he's he's heard us, he's gobbling, he is trying to gobble and call us into him. Exactly. And Because exactly. he's got hens, and he doesn't want to leave them. He doesn't. It doesn't make sense for him to leave them, but he still wants you to know, if you're in the area, if you can hear me, baby, come here. And then the reason he doesn't continue to gobble is as he gobbles those other hens either start to drift off mm-hmm. because they don't want to be by this hen that's calling our and that that hen that's calling it's, is it's, us and they start to drift off so he's focused on staying with them so he's looking at them and following them and not paying attention to your calling or as he's gobbled those hens have came in closer to him um, and he's more distracted with them so either way exactly. he's distracted with the hens and not gobbling at you so it didn't pan out it didn't work um I, we, we kind of had that anticipation, like we're going to run into this scenario. Um, we, we knew that going ahead of it, but maybe we could cut these birds off or maybe, you know, based on, on how he's gobbling, we could catch him. Um, possibly his hens may go and kind of leave later in the morning, but anyhow, that didn't pan out, but good to hear, good to strike up a bird. The plan, we, we, we thought they'd be down the bottoms. They sure enough were, um, anyhow, left that side, go back, get a snack, and um, checked the, the rest of the bottom fields. Didn't see any birds out there. And there's another area, actually, where his son Trace had killed. And his camera's on this additional property that, that bordered the one we started out on was loaded with turkeys, loaded with longbeards. It, actually, and I know you filmed um, his son kill birds out of it. His I've, first bird his, we, he ever killed, I yeah. filmed out of that field. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a large five-ish acre food plot in the middle of the timber. And 
I've called in birds with Seth there for his son. They didn't end up killing him, but his son killed one there last year. And it's just it's just one of those spots that routinely, no matter what, there's gobblers in and around the area. And we knew it was the case. So we said, let's let's just call our way back there and kind of see what happens. Um, and on the way there, there's still the possibility of striking up birds because we're getting through um, additional food plots and just great turkey habitat because he had burned the center of this property too. And that was hardwood timber, kind of some mixed pine. Um, but really in, at any point, it was like, I would not be surprised if we hear one gobble getting back to this food plot. We didn't, unfortunately, Yeah, um, dealing with the wind. But um, throughout the morning, the way a bird would respond or the way they wouldn't respond, and we expected them, basically we knew from the intel Seth had seen from trail cameras, um, that birds were in the area. They were hearing the call, but they were just not responding. They were not gobbling back. And that information led us to the next step that we took. We, we we tried to hunt birds that were gobbling and coming in. Tried. We tried. But we knew if we wanted to be successful that we needed to station ourselves in the 360 buffet. Yes. That's the name of the food plot. And just hang out. It's the only strut zone, like nice food plot in that whole chunk of timber. It's probably got the most activity in that whole area it's just a matter of time before they come by let's just hope it's before one o'clock when season closes every day mm-hmm. in missouri so we stationed out our decoys and and this goes in with last pot last week's podcast and our strategy early season we like to use jakes or strutting toms and displaying I- dominance as again we still knew from the limb and saw um Basically, these birds are, are flocked up. They're not responding. They're not coming in. We need to use this intel to our advantage and put ourselves in a position where, hey, if a Tom does see this decoy, he's going to commit and display his dominance over this bird in the area. Yeah, and, and I mean, we so we use this strutting Tom, and, and I'll frankly just, there's no affiliation or anything. This is just a decoy that we used that day that was just a, and I like the looks of it, and I like the, size of it yeah and it's the avian x trophy tom and it's actually designed where you can use it for mounts on your wall or yeah. a 2d decoy and so you attach a a real fan and you can put in a real beard and uh and even seth attached a few so a wing. wing a wing to it to mm-hmm. give it even a little bit more realism and that thing looks so, I mean, it's nothing. It's just a little yeah. old flat it's a, piece it's, of... It's, it's pretty much 2D. It's 2D, but it looks really good. I mean, the, the paint on it looks really good, and, of course, the real fan. And so stuck that out there on its on a stand, and that, that what I don't even know how long we were there. And we, and we had another hen there, too. We had another avian hen, and, uh, man, they just... It, it was, we got set up and said, okay, let's just let's just post up here. This is our best opportunity. We're not calling birds in. Let's just kind of wait them out um, and periodically call. That was 11.15. And there is one point when we're sitting there, and I swore. It was just as clear as the wind kind of calmed down for a second. I heard, what? What? But never saw a turkey. Like, I was like, guys, right here. There's close. I just heard two clucks. And we're all just sat still, probably within a 80 to 100 yards. Never ended up seeing a bird. Um, and just kind of thought, man, that that's weird. So we just kind of kept after it and just 
sitting tight. The sun had come out at that point. Um, the wind had died down a touch, but it was like, all right, anything could happen. And then all of a sudden, Seth and I were sitting up close to the edge of the field and heard, and I was like, did you just hear that? And I was like, Seth, that is right here, right here. Don't move. And I'm sure he, he glanced over and he's sitting to my right and looks down the field edge over my head and sees a bright red head standing at the edge of the timber. And he goes, long beard right here, right here. And it's, I don't know, 25, 30 yards to um, our left. And somehow, I, I don't I don't know how it, it got through the timber. I don't know how you weren't able to see it. I well, wasn't I able to see I, it. I was sitting there. We were having a conversation. I was, we really, yeah, we were I, talking. So you and, you and Seth were on point, and so I sat back behind you guys. And so Matt, the cameraman, and I, not this Matt that I'm talking to, Matt Barnett and I were having a conversation. And you guys, but we were just far enough apart that every once in a while, I kind of, I mean, I really had to listen to mm-hmm. understand what he's saying. And you guys just got quiet on me. And I'm like, what? Hey, what? And then I see you, like, say something. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look over left, and that's when I saw him step out of the woods. Yeah, so it was yeah. like, that's why I didn't I see I think him. he just appeared. I mean, yeah. there, there was nothing. But as soon as that turkey, though, got to the edge of the field and saw that decoy, it was immediate change of mood. Just and he went from bright redhead to... I'm going after that. He was standing tall, looking straight up, out into the field. Like basically when they go from like three foot tall to four and a half foot tall in a matter of a second, he did that and then committed, saw the hen, saw the full fan strutter, vump, out to the field he went. And Matt got on the Matt was rolling. He got on the, the bird fast. With, I don't know how he did with it. that camera that takes forever to power up. Yeah. It, 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 he he worked his magic. Gets the bird in frame and it just commits all the way to the decoy, um, twenty-five yard shot. Yeah, and it was just a classic. You know, the old me would have already been back at the truck or back at the house eating, but we we're just hanging out, having a good time, and knew that that's what we needed to do if we yeah. were going to have a chance. The the days, you know, of trying to capture this hunt or these types of hunt and share them. You know, we've got to be diligent, but then we have to be mindful of getting that great footage to be able to share it. Um, and, and the lighting, incredible. The bird worked and had just as jet black and pretty metallic colors coming across that open food plot. Um, and it, was, it was gorgeous. It was yeah. gorgeous. It worked perfect. Seth made a great shot. Bird goes down and um, right there in the food plot. And we're all just looking around like, did that work perfect or what? I mean, sure, it would have been awesome to have a bird come in, gobbling hard, reacting, you know, maybe work the decoys a little bit longer. But in this instance, we had the the intel from what the birds had done earlier that morning, made the decision and said, we need to, we need to do this. We need to throw out the strutter, sit here, and just let it work and do its thing. That was gonna yeah. be the that was gonna be the way the hunt was gonna unfold. We knew it going ahead, you know, but we were in a great area. The homework paid off. Seth fills a tag opening day. Twelve it killed it at twelve twenty. Season ended at one. Everyone's like, Well, if it happens, it happens. If not, whatever. We got we got more time to hunt together. But boom, bird comes in, dead mm-hmm. turkey. Yeah. And that day wasn't over there. No. So it we was not. We spent and that's where early season it really helps to 
do your due diligence and try to roost birds in the evenings. Try to get to the property, your farm, an hour before dark or fly up to catch them in the fields and see where they're headed. That way you have a good idea where they are in the morning to where you can slip in and get close to where you're not trying to just... Because there's a small window early season when when they're gobbling and getting close enough to have an impact Mm -hmm. on maybe luring them into range. And so if you can, and later in the season as the hens broke up, they're going to gobble throughout the morning most likely, and you're going to have the ability to move around and get to them if you're a long ways off, get to them and and start calling before they fly off the limb or before they just call up, gobble up a hen and, and are no longer gobbling. So we went scouting, trying to roost these birds. And I went, we split up, you went mm-hmm. one area, I went to the other, and you called me and said, I, I see strutters. Yeah. And basically, you just got to a field to where... Well, got got to the edge of a timber line where I could see out into the field. I didn't go all the way there, stayed a comfortable distance back because anticipating basically, okay, these, these birds, there was uh, probably 20 plus turkeys in this flock in the middle of a, a cut soybean field. It's like... They're going to split up a little bit. They're not going to roost in the same place. I need to keep my distance because I don't want to get too close and then have to stay put till way, way dark and try to sneak my way out and not spook a bird. Um, So stayed back, glassed the field, and was able to see, okay, some gobblers went this way. One came, you know, directly towards me, had hens follow him. Um, Anyhow, birds kind of split up, and we were able to kind of make a game plan I called you and said, hey, listen, since you're further back away, still still gobble to an hoot so we can kind of really pinpoint it because I could see the birds directionally which way they went and then heard them fly out of the field but didn't know, like, the exact tree because of, you know, other trees in the way. So called you. You were out hooting like crazy over there, and they were and gobbling back. And that's the back. thing. I didn't even know you would, like, I just started hooting and yeah. then I see it, and I'm like, "Oh, you want me to hoot? Okay, good thing you didn't want me to. You didn't want me to not hoot because I'd already started." Yeah. And so I was hooting. I was going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, long, long drawn out uh, sequences, but um, they, they loved were it. hammering for early season birds gobbling like down the roost. And one that day turned out to be a great evening. It, the weather really kind of had broke. It was really two different days. Cold, yes. miserable morning. Beautiful, warm, sunny afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. And uh, they fired off on a limb, got to pinpointers. So we kind of thought um, where these birds were were on the limb. Um, so we get back to the cab and stay there that night and pull out the map and like, okay, let's make a game plan. We've got a lot of birds in this field, and it's kind of a circular-ish field, if you will, this cut soybean that has a fence row um that cuts across, that splits this soybean field from a alfalfa field. And along this fence row is a strip of Johnson grass on either side of that fence row, but it's only like three foot wide. Um, so that's about the only cover. Uh, and we've got birds on the left side of the field. And then the ones that came towards me on the right side of the field, we would love to have gone in from the North heading South, but felt the way those birds roosted it was just way too tight of a situation to get in there during dark 
and try to get underneath these turkeys. And we've got a camera guy that's going to come with us. Matt was coming with us the next day, and we're risky turkey hunters. I think we are. I mean, aggressive, aggressive, and and we don't mind pushing the envelope and trying to make things work. But in this situation, we we're both talking through it. And it's like, I I would love to be there, but realistically, I don't think getting on that north side of the field in between these two birds is our best situation. I, I really feel like, and that's where knowledge or, or wisdom, if you will, come from hunting and being successful over time, the difference between aggressive and stu- stupid. Yeah, yeah. We if we'd have sat over there, it would have been stupid. Mm-hmm. It was aggressive where we set up, but it wasn't stupid. There was um, a plan. And, and it kind of, it really paid off for us by where we set up being less... Uh, being aggressive but not stupid and mm-hmm. uh it, it was borderline aggressive like if we'd have known where those birds were actually roosted we we'd have probably like, wouldn't have set up right oh, there let's let's go somewhere else but yeah. we were still set up close enough and not too close to where we were right underneath them. Mm-hmm. so seeing those birds and then without them being able to to hoot from a longer distance away and and trying to pinpoint them we felt like we knew really which trees plus or minus 20 yards these turkeys were in knew that it was multiple birds um and multiple birds on the west side of this field and so anyhow we talk it over we decide okay we're not going super super aggressive we're gonna come in and basically we're gonna set up on that um that fence line that splits the alfalfa and the soybeans and just tuck ourselves in we've got some netting for the for Matt to be able to hide the camera, and we can make it work. We we can get there early, set out decoys, and we had a Jake and a hen decoy. Um, we knew a large flock. Hopefully, we'd pull them across the. Um, they're going to pull these birds across the field with again this dominance, the setup. Um, put this hen in a little bit more of a, a breeding situation uh, with that Jake in close proximity to her. Anyhow, when it starts getting light out, we kind of realize we're starting to see birds on the field edge roosted what you said i hear spitting yeah and and as you know i have i don't have very good hearing yeah and so when i hear spitting i know they're close yeah and when i hear drumming i know they're on my bootlaces (laughs) and so i'm like even i hear that yeah and i like look in the tree just to our left and i'm like oh they're all right here we were hoping that they're gonna be further north but really they were due all right hard left and then even we find out even further south and and kind of behind over my left shoulder and and your your harder your hard left yeah um, you're almost hip pocket corner pocket yeah. left and and yeah. it was just like uh oh oh we, well. we were pretty much fifty yards off from where we thought they were roosted at and I just want to say south. something about when you see these flocks kind of spread out like this where there's a tom a couple toms over there and that side or one tom over in that side of the field and a couple of the I usually start kind of going, okay, this is, there's definitely a pecking order already in, already in play here to where there's subdominant and dominant birds here. And so that tells us that there's still some sorting and still, still some dominance really going on here to where a Jake or a strutter would be really, really beneficial because Mm -hmm. if they're flying into a field and we felt like they were all going to fly into this one field. That they were in the night before, cut soybean, to where if there's any kind of new Tom there or Jake, that they would come investigate to let him know where he ranked 
in yes. on the ladder. And so it was like, well, it's just a matter of time for they come in and start beating him up. Um, and then, of course, so as the morning progressed, they were gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. We're like, okay, it's it's gonna it's should be good. And uh, wouldn't you know it? I mean, you now we're shooting on Matt's shooting on a really really nice camera, but the low light is like. I mean, you're you you can't you can't run it in low 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 light. There are some cameras out there that can do it, but this one's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking low light, like five minutes after shooting light. Like, yeah, it, it, you're 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 holding off because you got you got to have more more light in the timber. No chance. Not we're in an open field, and we're like, gosh, we need more light. And wouldn't you know it? That's when you hear the first wing beats, and it's like. <laughs> yeah. Is there already one on the ground? And I and you said, yeah, I got one over here in the corner. And I look over, and that that Tom's already in full strut, looking at the decoys, and he comes I, marching in. He he pitched in and was like seventy yards away from the setup. And then I mean, what I could see the best is just that white head, and and that stuck out the most. And he's full strut and comes all the way, just dances his way into the decoys. Um, he's at twenty five yards flogs the jake and meanwhile this bird isn't gobbling on the ground there's two other birds at least two other long beards in the tree and they pitched down actually right behind us into the alfalfa so now we've got this strip of johnson grass and a in a barbed wire fence between us and they start working their way from like 60 yards away towards our decoy setup and the gobbler that's in the decoys flogging and standing on the back of the jake and we're and this kind of happened because we're Matt and I are trying to double up. Yeah. And so there's some hens that are cutting. So I start calling back, and that's when they get fired up. And then I think they immediately start seeing the tom that you yeah. end up shooting on those decoys. And so they're coming to try and beat him up. They're like, and what see the what's heck is going, going on? on? Yeah. And unfortunately, between. The, the decoys and that tom and them is a fence line and within that fence line is us us and we're basically any option that they would have had to cross we're pretty much blocking adam and i we're maybe four yards apart yeah and the we've got a gobbler 25 yards in front of us waiting on better light letting them work the decoys get milk the footage letting them do his thing before we shoot and but then these birds are coming so it's like okay we've got to make something happen and they get to you you could see out of the corner of your eye i I can't turn around because i'm kind of in the wide open but they come to the edge of that johnson grass strip and gobble and it's like shaking the grass and shaking the barbed wire fence it was that close it just felt that rumble um but when they get that close that tom that's actually in the decoy is like "Ah, i'm not as comfortable with this situation Mm -hmm. um and so those birds start to try and find another gap through the fence and and fade away from us a little bit as this bird um, that's in the decoys starts to take a couple shuffles away from the decoys and it's like all right we need to either take the bird in the bush um, or take the bird in the hand instead of the ones that are trying to loop around may not work and and uh, we're both like all right well let's just let's pop this one and, and then get on the fighting purr and um, see if these ones will come in and flog and and continue to sort out their dominance so shoot the one he flops right there and is dead just outside the decoys um we immediately get on the fighting purr they continue to gobble yeah but then they just 
What that didn't help, hen. there was a hen that was riding the decoys, and she ran right towards them, and then they just walked off. Yeah, they and had a hen. That was pretty much the end of that day. Uh, yeah. That that morning was like, okay, that's it. That's That was... We um, thought they'd fire back up, but just really never, never got on them. Never could get back on them. But that was classic. Two two successful hunts, but in both different scenarios, same end game as yeah. far as a punch tag. But um, basically, we had to deer hunt some, and then the other one... Scouting. Uh, scouting. Roosting, finding the roost site, getting in close, and putting something out in front of them that they would want to dominate, something Have that to. they would want to come investigate. And so basically our, our strategies for those two successful hunts were find the area due to knowing the lay of the land or on past information as in this is a food plot they like to be in and they're not gobbling so let's just go station ourselves with a decoy that is going to be really successful this time of year and that's the the strutting decoy and then the other one was we found the roost site the night before, so we got in tight well before daylight and put out a jake and a hen, and once again using dominance as our way to lure them into range. That was it. That was that was as, as good as it gets to great hunts, um, great way to open up season. And as season progresses here, we're going to be continuing to get out. We're going to uh, northern Missouri this weekend, and then we'll be back in southern Missouri um, next week with um, Zach Shermer, he's to be filming, uh, and and Missouri's kind of weird. That first week you can only kill one bird um, of your two. So next week um, we'll have more tags to be able to work with, and um, can hopefully get some more turkeys on the ground and share that success too. Um, yep, that's it. Uh, I think that pretty well wraps up. That was what we had for you guys this week on the Atlanta Legacy Hunting Podcast. Matt, you got anything? Hopefully it was good. Hopefully you guys can use it to your advantage. And uh, if you do kill, send us some pictures. We'd love to see the success. And our heart goes out to those guys up north that are still fighting snow. (laughs) We'll feel sorry for you boys. Sorry, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there. We're answering the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Yeah.